Hi, praise the Lord. So glad you guys can join us here uh, Friday night with friends as we go ahead and interview people that um, people we know, our friends, kind of like having um, coffee with someone as they kind of share their life experiences. Um, I do want to make a quick announcement. Um, you know, please do uh, partner and share with us at newarkupc.info. Uh, if you do like us, like us and share us with your friends and your circle of friends. Um, and then, of course, we do have small groups. Make sure you are all staying plugged in with our small groups. Um, if you have Zoom, you can join. So it's uh, it's very, very uh, straightforward. You can join from the comfort of your home or in your car or wherever you are. Um, as long as you have internet, you can join a small group with us. Um, my next guest uh, that we have here is a good friend of mine, uh, Kendra. And uh, we actually met um, in St. Louis many moons ago. Uh, she was a barista, as well as I, and we were both working with um, Jen Yoder. Some of you might be familiar with her mom, um, Sister Yoder, who uh, used to live out here. Um, but uh, we work together with baristas, and so we're pretty big. Uh, coffee connoisseurs now uh, because of that. Um, but the reason I actually had her come on is um, Kendra actually adopted um, uh, a, a baby girl, I mean a girl. And and so our job is to, um, I want to hear her, her experience and kind of ask questions about, you know, the whole uh, adoption world. And uh, she's very passionate about that. And I guess she could kind of pop on in here uh, Kendra can come on, pop on here when you have a chance, um, and she'll kind of experience and uh, share her heart about adoption. And um, so I'm going to go ahead and let her have her um, her spotlight here, and we'll come back with with uh, questions. So if you have any questions, please please be thinking of them. Kendra, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Um, yes, many moons ago, um, Arash and I met uh, some of my fondest memories are breakfast we would call them sat early saturday mornings um coffee espresso coffee tastings and chocolate brownies and um we would all stand around you know drinking coffee and munching on brownies at like six o'clock in the morning and talk about um whatever news was happening you know at the latest time um first of all thank you so much for asking me and and inviting me to share my heart regarding adoption and um, and to share this Friday night with friends with you guys. Um, so here's my story. Um, it actually started in St. Louis uh, before I was married, uh, before I lived in, uh, obviously before I lived in Florida. And uh, I was given a health diagnosis that um, the doctors were pretty unsure if I would ever carry a biological child of my own. So fast forward a couple of years, I, I knew that adoption um, was always going to be um, in the conversation or part of the journey. And I, I didn't really know how, I didn't really understand what all it would take, but just one of those things that was in the back of my mind, kind of a, a sure thing. So. Um, my husband and I, when we were dating, we, we were talking and um, it has always been one of those, yeah, one day, someday, if, if God opens the door or if, if God makes a way or if God this or if God that. And it was kind of one of those some someday type situations. And um, I can't talk about our adoption journey without talking about our foster care journey because we 
adopted our daughter from foster care through the foster care system here in um, Florida. So we um, had probably been married maybe a year and a half and we began to talk about adoption and what that would look like for us. We were at a, at a place where we wanted to start pursuing it and, and really get serious about um, taking the next step forward. So a lot of research, a lot of praying, a lot of waiting. Um, and we talked about private adoption, which is, or domestic adoption here within the United States. Um, we talked about international adoption and, and going overseas. Um, and the third option was adoption through foster care. And ironically enough, at the very beginning, we both said no to foster care. Um, it was just too hard, too messy, too, um, too long. It was too unstable. What, whatever we, f excuse, I guess you could say, um, it, 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 we used it, we said it. And so um, I actually remember vividly, we were driving um, back from a leadership conference from our, um, my husband was on a leadership team at our, our local church at the time. And um, we saw some billboard or something and, and the conversation came up um, on that road trip. Well, what do you think about foster care? And my husband goes, he said, yeah. He's like, well, I don't know if, if God makes a way. And so that kind of was the first shift in our discussion about foster care. And so again, during this time, we're now been married going on two years. It's been, been a while and um, still talking about it back and forth. We're now heavily, heavily um, invested in that this is how we're going to grow our family is through um, adoption. And, um, and one Sunday night, I saw him um, looking at, at this column in our church um, lobby. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you just standing looking at this um, column in our, in the, in the lobby, like what is going on? Um, so I happened to walk over and see why he was staring at the column. And on that column was a flyer for a local, um, agency that was, um, recruiting foster parents. And my heart jumped inside of me and I was like, Oh, maybe this is the time that he's going to start saying yes, or this, this is the time this things are shifting. The, our conversation is changing. It's no longer a no to foster care. It's a maybe let's see, let, let's get a little more information. So I mentioned to him and I said, Hey, I, I saw you reading the flyer, um, for, for his house. What, what are your thoughts? What were you thinking? And he goes, yeah, I definitely be interested in, um, in more information. And, and so we talked, we kept talking about it. And I was like, well, not, that's a very drastic um, shift from no, it's too hard, too messy, too unstable to yes, I want more information. So long story short, a lot of training, a lot of um, praying, a lot of waiting, more paperwork. Um, we became foster parents in January of 2017.
Um, and that began our journey to um, adoption. So our first placement were two beautiful girls. Um, the oldest one was with us for um, about a year. Her sister stayed with us um, just up until September of last year. And, um, and we um, were all in. We, we jumped in with both feet and we were like, okay, if, if this is, um, if this is what God is leading us to do, then let's, let's make our yes. Yes. And, um, we were, we had been praying, God put us in a place where we could just say yes. And I mean, things from car seats and high chairs to clothes, we moved, um, to a new apartment. We got a bigger car, just all of these huge God moments in our life. Um, our jobs became more accommodating to um, do to be more accommodating for foster care in regards to giving us time off for court hearings or, or new cases, whatever it was, just doors just began to open um, all around us, everywhere we looked. And so we, we said, okay, God, here, here we are. Let's, let's pursue this. So, um, now with, through the foster care system, you know, there's the whole process of reunification is always the, the main goal. And so we were great. Um, we, we were strong advocates in, in having these girls, um, be reunified and it wasn't really looking like that. Um, you know, their father was in um, jail in one state, mother was in jail here in Florida, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And finally, um, the youngest girl became legally free um, for adoption. And and all of a sudden, we went through this really rocky patch um, as a couple because I felt, I began to feel checks. And, and I was like, some something is not saying yes. I, I feel these red flags and I'm not sure what it is. And my husband on the other hand was like, yes, we need to do this. And so we were kind of warring against each other and we began to pray about it and just really pursue God and, and try to figure out what was going on. And um, we did not adopt her. Meanwhile, in, in this war and struggle back and forth trying to figure out what was going on we um received a second placement of an eight-month little girl i was about six months pregnant with my oldest biological child um and we began um there's two different divisions here in florida or in our county um, of dependency court. One is called early childhood court and the other is just regular dependency court in which regular foster care cases go through. Early childhood um, court focuses on children, um, infants up to three years and it is all voluntary. The, the biological parents have to volunteer and ask to be placed into early childhood court as it is fast-tracked. This um, judge, there's one judge in our county that proceeds over this, and she's known for 12 months or less. And we were just kind of blown away um, at, at the whole process of from start to finish. And, and again, 
with foster care, the goal is always reunification and you're always striving to um, help families, to help um, heal families and help um, build the bridge, you know, um, to be the village, I guess you could say, um, for these families that are going through really difficult times, whatever their circumstances are, um, just to kind of be that extra helping hand. And so we um, were pushing for reunification up until um, there was an incident with um, our little girl. Um, her name is Trini. And um, she was at a visit with her biological father and um, an accident happened. She fell, ended up in the hospital. And next thing you know, um, the judge is saying, okay, um, we're, we're not, we're no longer pursuing reunification. So we had gone from about um, 10 months of, of pushing and, and, and trying to help these biological parents succeed um, and, and to be reunified with the baby who was, um, she just turned a year old. And so meanwhile, I have a newborn and, and we were not trying to have two babies 13 months apart. We, we were just wanting to be hands and, and to help this family along. And um, we went from, like I said, 10 months of, of nothing, of reunification, to very quickly, very suddenly turning to adoption. And um, it was very drastic, very fast. And um, here we are having... Um, my oldest, Trini, she's three. My second child, Noelle, he's two. And then we have a six-month-old. And never did, in our journey of, of foster care, did we imagine that it would go from reunification to adoption so quickly, um, almost like night and day situations. Um, and my husband and I, when we started foster care, we always said, um, you will Remember, I said at the beginning, if God makes a way. And so it, it was really interesting because if, if you read the scriptures, it talks about how we are adopted into it. And so it, it was so, for me as a mom, it was like I got to see the gospel lived out in, in my living room. Um, and it just gave so much more clarity to certain scriptures that I hadn't really understood or I hadn't really taken the time to process. And is it, was it without its struggles? No, it, it was very hard. Um, I, I stand back and I, I just am baffled. But on the other hand, I can't imagine not saying yes to this process because it has completely changed the way we, um, as a couple, my husband and I, the way we process life, the way we um, communicate one with another to the way we communicate and we um, conduct our business, our interactions at church, it, in every aspect of our life, it has completely changed us. And, and it shows. Um, the scripture says... Um, that um, you read scriptures of where it says Jesus was 
was moved with compassion before certain miracles happened. And I told my husband, I was like, never before did I really understand that. I said, but going through this whole foster care system, I was like, I have felt what I imagine that felt like is because I've stood in courtrooms and I've listened to these awful situations, um, whether it's substance abuse, drug abuse, criminal, um, activity, whatever. And I feel the compassion. And, and the only way that I can help is, is through this means of being a foster mom, or um, my husband calls it a middle mom. Um, and, and that led us to our, our beautiful daughter who has this squeaky little voice and doesn't know a stranger. And had we not been willing to make um this hard decision of saying yes to foster care and going through the mess of foster care, we would have never been, um, I, we would have never been given the opportunity to become her parents. And um, that I, I tell my husband all the time, I was like, I don't want to say no to this just because it's going to be hard any way that we look at parenting or parenthood, it it's hard. It's it's so hard, especially in this day and age with um, COVID and and you know all of the things that parents are hyper vigilant have to be hyper vigilant about. It's hard. And so we looked at foster care um, adopting through foster care as one of those means that yes it's gonna be hard, but why not say Yes. Um, when we were doing our foster care um, training and we took so many classes on um, psychology and statistics and whatnot, um, the agency that we went through is um, faith-based and they gave a statistic that to this day still rocks my world. Um, so in the United States, there's approximately 445,000 children in the foster care system. Of that 445,000, 125,000 are legally free for adoption. So about a quarter of that number is waiting for their forever home. Now, there are approximately 400,000 churches, regardless of denomination or affiliation, in the United States alone. And it struck me because if one family from every third church would step forward and say yes and, and make that hard decision and be the, the, the bridge between brokenness and healing, it would completely um, eradicate and, and dissolve the number of children that are waiting for their forever home. There would be no children, um, regardless of age or race, ethnicity, waiting for a family. And and I, I keep coming back to, I, I want to do more and I can't do more, but um, how can I, how can I do more, you know? And so there's a, there's a saying, if you can't adopt and foster and if you can't foster support and if you can't support um volunteer and if you can't volunteer 
donate. And if you can't donate, then um, educate. And that's kind of where we're at right now is in this process of, well, we've done the foster care, we've done the adopting, and and now we're kind of in this in-between space of um, our home is currently on pause right now. Um, so we're not accepting any placements at this time. Um, but we could still discuss and we can still um, raise awareness about adoption. And especially in the church, it's it's such a burden for me. Like, I, I wish I had the time to, to share, like, all of the God moments that I had at doctor's offices and, and courtrooms and in the living room going from screaming rage things being thrown to all of a sudden feeling the presence of God come into my, my house. And, and it's all part of that process of, of being willing to say yes. And I think if we as a corporate church body would, would forget our hangups and we would forget about, Oh, it's, you know, behavior and age and, and ethnicity and excuse and excuse. If we would just be willing to say yes, I think, we would really, really be blown away at how God uses our willingness to say yes. And, and it, it would just really open our eyes to how God takes um, something so insignificant and turns it into something beautiful. And I can't share a lot of details um, about my daughter's um, case as we do have a very open relationship with um, her biological family. Um, but it, it's not been easy. It, it's a work in progress and it's at times very awkward. And I am reminded, uh, my husband reminds me that it's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's about um, number one, sharing the love of God with um, our daughter first and foremost and and showing her what the love of God looks like on a daily basis uh, and number two it's showing our daughter and her biological family that just because circumstances led us to this point doesn't mean that they no longer love her or they no longer have a right or or um the, the honor of being called biological mom, biological dad. So that's something that we're still um, protecting for her, her sake, um, because it's her story to tell. And, and I can say that being in the middle of it, it's so beautiful to see the hand of God, to see the power of God just moving in, in different ways. And it all because um, my husband and I kind of shifted our thought process and we just began to say yes. Okay, God, um, we didn't really want to do foster care, but we're saying yes. It might get messy, but here's our yes. And that's that's kind of our our, our family life motto right now is yes just say yes it's and god kind of fills in the blanks and gives you the grace to deal with um 
the chaos and, and the crazies of foster care um, and adoption and everything that um, goes with that. So that's, that's our um, story time. That's our, that's our process of how we got to become the honored title of Trini's mom and dad. And that's our adoption story in a very small, very, very small time frame. Oh, there I am. Hey, awesome. You said uh, reunification a couple times. Um, yes. So that simply means um, the goal of foster care is reunification. And what that means is for families to be reunified. So for whatever circumstances, um, children have been um, removed from their family or from their parents, and they've been placed into the foster care system. And the goal is that at some point, the, the parents or family could complete a task list um, of whatever. Maybe it's just stable housing, or maybe it's proof of income, or maybe it's, um, you know, um, having clean um, drug screenings, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the case may be, is they have to complete those items before the children can be reunified at home or into their care. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you said that a couple of times and I was like, so that is the, that's the purpose is that ultimately is to, is to reunify these yes, families. Because these, these kids aren't, my kids, like, yes, they're my kids while they're in my home, but I'm not giving them back, you know, because they're not my children to begin with. I want them to be with their parents, with their loved ones, whom they know who they're comfortable with, yeah. despite the circumstances. I want to be that helping hand um, to kind of help people along the way. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, a side note, I, I, I didn't mention this, but um, uh, uh, Kendra is an MK. She's a missionary's kid. Um, so there's a lot of, <laughs> and I do remember those Saturday mornings at four in the morning. Um, yes. The reason we got that shift is a couple of Pentecostals had nothing going on on a Friday night. So we, we ended <laughs> yes, up working the morning shift. volunteered for the early Saturdays. <laughs> or the early Saturdays. <laughs> oh, too funny. Uh, but she is in Miami, Florida now. Just. Um, I just mentioned yes. that, that she has moved to Miami, Florida. Um, but what a, what a great story. We do. Um, so we are opening this up for questions. Um, and I know we're, we're getting a few here um, uh, questions uh, to talk about this, uh, the system. Um, and uh, let's see, looks like I have one here. Uh, well, actually, Erica, did you want to go ahead and pull some questions up for us? Yep, I can do that. Um, this one says, when and how much do you recommend telling an adopted child about his or her biological parents? And do you anticipate any problems between your children because of because one of them is adopted? So that's actually a really great question. Um, so I'm going to answer the first part. Um, number one, it is a case by case situation. And for our family, safety is number one priority. Nothing is going to be shared with Trini if it's not uh, for her betterment or if it's not safe for her. That being said, 
Um, Trini is three years old. She knows her biological mother's name. She knows her biological father's name. She knows that she is adopted. It's something that we have been very open with, with her from the very beginning. Um, simply because we didn't ever want there to be some point in her life where it's this big surprise, um, you know, that she's finding out that she's adopted. She says, um, mommy, do you remember when I was a baby in your belly? And I'm like, no, baby, that, that didn't happen. I'm, I'm your, um, we call it heart mommy, uh, because she grew in my heart. And we say that her biological mom is her belly mom because she grew in her belly. And it, we <laughs> explain it in really simple age appropriate terms. Um, as far as anticipating any problems, um, no. And I say that very cautiously because we have put safety measures in place um, with the biological family. Um, we have a PO box that they can mail things to. Um, if we mail things back, we use the PO box address. We have a Google voice number that they can text um, or call. Uh, we send photos back and forth. So there are different things that we have put in place to keep Trini safe, but also to keep our family um, safe as well. Um, like they know our first names, but they don't know our last name. Um, so there are different ways that you can kind of, um, sidestep those issues. Um, and we have a, um, very loose agreement that basically says if at any point we feel that things are unsafe, um, for training that will basically stop everything because for us, her safety is paramount. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Um, this one says, how much notice do you get before you are expected to accept a foster child? Um, so that uh, is a case by case situation. So with our first placement, we I got a call on a Wednesday regarding this placement, um, regarding the placement of the two sisters. And we didn't actually um, pick them up from their location until like Friday or Saturday. So we had a few days to prepare like mentally. Um, and fortunately enough, they were within our, um, age bracket that we were kind of already set up for that placement. Now for Trini's case, when they called, um, it was like five hours maybe from the time they called me until wow. I picked her up. Um, they called me, they said, Hey, we have this little girl. She's this, um, she's nine months old, blah, 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 blah. Will you, can you take her? Yes. Uh, I was like, let me call you right back. I called my husband. I gave him the details that I was just given and he was like, well, yes, of course. And so five hours later, um, we, I actually went to, she had just been um, brought to the agency and I met them there. Like it was mm. when they called me, she hadn't even been removed from the situation that she was coming from. Um, so it, it really depends on a case by case situation. Wow. 
<laughs> five hours. Five hours. My husband was at work. Um, of course. This question says, I have heard that the cost of adoption is a huge barrier for those who want to adopt. Can you give us any idea of the expense re uh, related to adopting through the foster care system? I love this question. People ask me this question all the time, and it's like my favorite question to answer. Um, so that is actually a really big myth, is that um, adoption through foster care is expensive. That um, is not true at all. Uh, with a little caveat there, uh, pending county state regulations. Um, in the state of Florida, um, if your child is in foster care, most of the time, all you have to pay are court fees. Um, and that is um, things like um, you have to pay for a birth certificate, you have to pay for um, the clerk fee, um, things like of that nature. You don't actually have to pay for the adoption attorney. You don't have to pay these ex extravagant amounts um, in regards to adoption from the foster care system. I think where people get this idea is from private adoption or what's also known as domestic adoption um, within the United States. And that is more um, pricey. Um, you know, when you're looking at between thirty to a hundred thousand dollars for the adoption, and and it's um, not the same domestic adoption versus adoption through foster care. What's what's the difference? So, private adoption would be um, a mom who has made an adoption plan for her unborn child and has gone to um, either an agency or she's asked say a family friend and they have gone to an adoption attorney and now the um, prospective adoptive family is now covering medical expenses or covering legal fees court fees um that that type of thing versus foster care um children have been legally freed for adoption meaning the parents um, legal rights have been terminated and now they're simply just waiting the adoption process. Wow. Thank you for letting me know that. Um, what happens if children have biological siblings who get adopted into separate homes and do they try to allow them to keep in touch? So um, again, foster care is very much a case by case situation. Um, Trini has biological siblings um, elsewhere. And at this point, it is not safe for her to be in communication with those siblings. So that is how we feel as long as Trini's safe, then yes, we would make every um, attempt to keep that sibling relationship, that sibling bond intact. Um, that's actually one of the main reasons we didn't adopt um, our other placement is because she did um, have an older sibling and it was not safe for that older sibling to be in our home and maintain contact. So we could not willingly say yes to one sibling, knowing that there was another sibling and the safety precautions that we felt we needed to keep in our home and break that sibling bond. So we chose to say no and 
um, this past September, they were reunified with a family member um, together because sibling bond, family bond is so important. Awesome. Awesome. It, I, I'm assuming the kids, they do better um, uh, with, with being that si with a sibling or Absolutely. a relative. Absolutely. Because it's something, it's somebody they know they're familiar with. They have that yeah. level of trust, you know, um, a, a big um, key in helping children heal from their trauma um, is attachment and having that capability to attach and form relationships and form um, bonds with people. So why would we as foster parents or prospective adoptive parents want to cause more trauma in removing that sibling bond than keeping that very fragile um, attachment in place and, and cultivating it and help and using that as a tool to help them heal from whatever their circumstances are. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, does the government give adopted foster kids any support? Um, I'm sure it's a case by case, but do they ever? So um, in the state of Florida, I, I don't know what, I can only speak for what's happening here in Florida um, as that's what I'm familiar with. Within the state of Florida, um, any child that has been um, adopted through foster care can go to any state college uh, tuition free. They oh, have, wow. um, they are covered up until 18, 21, I forget the exact age, um, with insurance, state funded insurance, um, college insurance. They are something else I'm forgetting. Uh, so um, nationally, there's the adoption tax credit, which is um, can, can be significant, um, depending on, you know, your tax bracket and financials and whatnot. Um, so yes, there are ways that um, the government does assist and does make things a little bit easier. If you're willing to do your research, dig out the facts, and deal with the red tape. Oh, that's awesome. Florida does that. Yeah, I like that. Um, how did you mentally and emotionally prepare to extend love and care while pushing for reunification? Um, I read a quote that says, I'm not afraid to grieve when these children are gone. I'm afraid of what will happen to these children if I don't. Mm. Meaning, um, I am, or we as adults are, or prospective adoptive parents or foster parents, we are, we have the mental capacity to process um, emotions, to process trauma, and to process um, what we call in my house, um, crazy brain. Um, and these kids don't have all of those capabilities. So in my ability to process all of the awfulness, I'm teaching these kids and I'm, I'm um, showing them that it's okay to have, um, to show love and to extend care, whatever the outcome may be. Now, 
did it hurt when the oldest, our oldest placement left? I bawled like a baby. I locked myself mm. in the bathroom and bawled and sobbed. And my husband's like, what's wrong? I was like, did you not hear what she just said? Like it ripped me apart. I was a train wreck for days, but that's supposed to happen because if it didn't hurt, if it didn't, if it wasn't that raw and emotional and, and grievous for you, then you're not doing it right. In my opinion, you're not, you're not giving yourself. And why would I hold myself back to a child that has just walked through hell on earth with her experiences and, and things that no five-year-old should ever have to deal with, why would I hold myself back? So for us, it was arms wide open, heart wide open, baby, how can we help you? How can we help you process? How can we help you um, learn to trust again, learn to love again? Um, so it was hard. I mean, you're yeah. saying yes to a stranger. I, it doesn't matter that they're five. You're saying yes to the stranger. Come on in. Come live with me. And you don't know anything about them. You know nothing about their background except the awful parts. You don't know any of their good parts. You don't know any of their good memories. You just get a cold, hard list of all the things that have gone wrong in their life. So um, it's awkward. You're, you're getting to know someone and, and you're trying to process your own emotions while navigating their own emotions through this whole traumatic experience that they've just been dealt with. Wow. Amazing. Uh, we have a follow-up question. Well, that's not the one. Um, what if two children are up for adoption at the same time? Would that be different with allowing them to keep in touch if they are separated, if they are in separated foster homes? So um, two children, meaning siblings, um, possibly is where this is coming from, and they're in separate foster homes. So um, typically what would happen is if um, a lot of times there are siblings, but they're half siblings. So they may have the same dad, but different moms. Most times they will try to place siblings in one home, especially when adoption is being discussed, at least in my county, in my state. Um, now, if it is coming to the fact that they have to separate, say, for example, dad's dad of one sibling, um, his you know, brothers adopting one baby and then a, a non-relative foster family is adopting the other baby. That is entirely up to the foster parents um, and the adoptive parents on um, what they um, uh, come to terms with. Not every case um, in that goes to adoption through the foster care system is an open adoption, meaning not every case is going to have that communication with biological family members. It's entirely dependent on the prospective adoptive family and how willing and um, how willing they are to, to bridge that gap and to allow that communication to stay open. I hope that answered that question. Yes, it did. Um, yeah. 
Did you set a cap on what age of children you would accept? Um, if yes. so, what, what was your thought process? So for my husband and I, we had, um, there's a bit of an age gap between my husband and I. Um, he is 10 and a half. I jokingly tell him uh, 11 years older than I am. And we had no biological children of our own. So um, when we started this, I was um, 25, 26, something like that. And so we said, um, we kind of based it off of how comfortable we would feel. Like I'm 25, it would be a little weird if I had a 15 year old and tried to be mom to a 15 year old, you know? Um, so our, our age bracket was, um, newborn to five years old, boy, girl, didn't matter. Um, ethnicity, race, didn't matter. We're a mixed race family, um, ourselves. So it, it wasn't a, it, age basically was our one parameter that we had. And that was newborn to five. Um, and, and we just went from there. And we said, no, we got calls. They're like, oh, could you take a, like a nine and a seven-year-old? And I'm like, I would love to, but I am not set up for a nine and seven-year-old. I've got a twin bed and a crib. So I, I am unable to take a nine and seven-year-old. In regard to your statistics, do you know the age breakdown of that or no? I know you said um, 125,000 are, are ready for adoption. I have I it right here. Um, so I can pull it up for you because I was reading these and these statistics are, um, came out in June of 2020, but they're for the fiscal year of 2019. So they're a little bit behind like all things foster care, yeah. but, um, if bear with me just a second and I will get that exact number for you. Shockingly enough, I will share this while I'm searching for that. Um, it's, it's a big misconception, um, foster care, that um, African-American children are like the highest percentage of children in foster care. And that is wholeheartedly not true. Um, it's a big misconception that um, Hispanic children of whatever background are the leading number, um, highest number in foster care. And that is untrue. The highest percentage of children in foster care in regards to um, ethnicity is white and Caucasian children. Um, oh. It's like it's like 47% of the children oh. in foster care are actually white children. So um, it, it, it's just mind boggling. I was reading these statistics today um, and I was talking to my husband. I was like, did you know this? Like, how come you didn't know that? And he was like, no, wow. Like it, <laughs> even as foster parents, it shocks us because it's easy to have these preconceived ideas and to have yes. these um, notions of what you think foster care is. Now, don't get me wrong. Like if you talk to my husband, he is highly fed up with the foster care system. Um, with the children, um, you asked Arash the age of children waiting to be adopted. Um, the highest percentage. Um, so again, this is of September of 2019, okay? The mm -hmm. highest percentage is um, children one year. So it kind of breaks it down. Of that number, there's like 
um, they're in pre-adoptive homes, 13%. So like 15,900 roughly are in pre-adoptive homes. And so, so the age range is one to two year old or? Uh, the, the highest or, percentage, is that what you're asking? Yeah, what is the highest percentage when it comes to age? Are these, um, is, are these a teenagers? Are you, current, are you, are you referring um, to at like actively legally free for adoption? Or are you just saying in the foster care system well, as a we, whole? I, I guess we could do as a whole, whatever is easier. I, I was just, I was curious about what that age number was. Um, the highest percentage, believe it or not, is actually um, one to two years old. One to two years old. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of dwindles down to um, between six and 13, 14. And then it jumps back up between 15 and 17. Because um, unless you are emancipated or you age out, um, you're in foster care, unless you're adopted, you're emancipated from your parents or unfortunately you age out, you're in the foster care system until you are considered a legal adult within the United States. Wow. I, I mean, my, my, my misconception was foster care, everybody's 15 or 14. I didn't think there were one to two. Yeah. So. Trini was eight months old, um, eight and a half months old when she entered into foster care. That is interesting. Okay. Well, that's eye-opening for me. Thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a few more questions. Um, I've heard before uh, that teenager children tend to be not adopted as easily as or quickly as younger children and babies. Is this something you have seen and are these real hurdles? Um, so I would say yes. Um, and, and I use that very carefully because um, the terms um, quickly Unfortunately, there's nothing quick in the foster care system ever. Um, and, and the reason being is, in my opinion, let me, let me be very clear on that. In my opinion, people are afraid of the hard things. Yeah. And people are afraid of teenagers have their own life experiences. They have their own thought processes. They have their own um, they, they have missed out. A lot of them have missed out on childhood and now they're had to be, um, in the foster care world, it's called parentified, meaning they've had to be the parent to younger siblings. And so they've not had this opportunity to be, um, a child to learn how to trust like a child. And so they get placed into these situations, um, or in foster homes where, um, the foster parents want to have, they have these teenagers and they want their teenagers to have childlike mentality. And that doesn't work when you, when you come into, um, when you're dealing with teenagers, um, in the foster care, you almost have to treat them like they're, um, an adult, um, that they have, that their opinion and their, um, thought process matters. And they have a voice. And despite the, um, like I said, in my house, we call it crazy brain. Um, 
despite the way that they process or show emotion or, or they're dealing with the trauma, however that may come out, that they still matter. Um, and unfortunately it's messy and it's hard and not a lot of people are wanting to put forth that effort or to deal with the hard places of foster care, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you able to stay in contact with those you fostered once they have been placed elsewhere? Um, we have tried. Um, for us, we have not been successful in that. Um, for some of our friends that are in foster care, they have, um, you know, like once a month visits or emails, texting back and forth. Um, I had a friend of mine that said they babysit the kiddos like once a, once a month type situation. So it's a case by case situation. Unfortunately, um, the family members that our, our girls were um, reunified with, they chose not to. And so we had to respect that and um, kind of bow out gracefully and fade um, fade out of their lives. And, and we tried to make that transition as um, smooth and seamless as possible on our end. Wow. I actually have a question. Um, since you, I told you earlier that uh, my husband and I are actually foster parents too. Mm -hmm. um, do you have um, like an album of all the placements you've got, like put pictures of them in? Like so, of all the yes, actually we do. So um, we did, um, we did um, two different ways. So we created a um, shared album uh, on our phones. So all of the photos that we took with, um, our first placement, whatever photo, it didn't matter who was in it as far as our family, if they were in that photo, they got it in their shared album. Um, so we, and, and we shared it with our whole family because for however long they were part of our family. Um, and then and the other way that we did it was we created photo albums of um, memories, key moments on Shutterfly, and we printed it out and we made copies and we sent it with them. And Whoa. we also have a copy. So um, that's a cute idea. Our oldest daughter, our oldest uh, placement, she had one album and our, um, the younger of the two, she actually had two because she was with us for like three and a half years um, before she was reunified. So it was kind of a very lengthy placement three, um, and, and, a half three and a half years, years. usually i figured that after 18 months Ooh. they try to yes so yeah. unfortunately um she was 18 months when she came into our care we were their first placement um and she had just turned five um before she left and this is one of the drawbacks of foster care is it was a lot of back and forth situations because we were dealing with a biological parent that was out of state um, and so when you're dealing with the foster care system um, from different states, unfortunately, it gets very twisted and it's like a tangled ball of yarn that is just back and forth, back and forth. And that unfortunately made her case um, so long. No, no, I know there is. Um, 
Uh, I, I've heard there's a, I, again, I, these are my assumptions and, and please correct my assumptions, but um, when it comes to undocumented children, is that, is the foster care, have they stepped up with, with that as well? Uh, I wanna be really careful in how I answer this because I'm not 100% sure. Of so course. I I do know that DCFS or um, it's called differently in each state for Florida, it's called Department of Children and Family Services. Um, they have stepped in. And actually um, the agency that we um, went through is actually predominantly deals with um, unaccompanied minor children from mm. um, Latin America. Wow. Um, that come up however they make it their way into Florida. Um, they deal with a lot of that um, as well as the local foster care scene here. So yes, um, foster care is aware um they are kind of boots on the ground situation how that works out i don't know and, and i couldn't give you an answer into that side of foster care yeah i'm glad that there's support that's good okay. um there, well, i have a couple questions left um what can a church or individuals within a church do to help foster parents in the congregation Great question, and I wish people, more people would answer this. Um, so there's there are different ways. Um, you can um, think of it as uh, like a mom with a new, like bringing home an infant from the hospital, like a biological child from the hospital, okay? So that first day of placement, um, we've probably spent hours in an office building with a crying child, so dinner would be a great idea. Um, you know, like it's practical and 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 it's yes, comical, but nobody thinks about it. They're like, "Oh, you're yeah. a foster parent. You're a child. Like, here's a child. Have fun." Um, so dinner, dinners would be a great idea. Um, uh, babysitters, like my husband and I were at every single court um, date for Trini, every single one. So I had, thank God, I had. Um, one of our assistant pastor's wives, she took my son, Noelle, and she knew that it could be an hour. It could be four hours. It could be six hours. Who knew? But she would take him and she would watch him um, for that. And, th and that was so helpful. Um, provide parents night out. Get get um, CPR certified. Get background checks so you're um, legally um can can care for these children you know um that was a such a struggle for my husband and i is we didn't have a support group that could say or a support system that we could go out like we couldn't just leave our, our placements with anybody you know um thankfully uh within the state of florida there is a um legal clause called prudent parenting and that's basically in layman's terms, if we felt comfortable enough with a neighbor or family member to send our own biological child, we could send that placement. But there's a caveat, you only get a time frame. Uh, like, I think it's like six hours or, or 24 hours. So 
meals are a great way. Um, family, people in my church, now be careful with this. Uh, people in my church would say, oh, I have these clothes. Do you need them? And at first I have these two kids that literally had two backpacks and that was it. And I was like, yes, I need clothes. I don't have any clothes for a five-year-old. Like I don't have any clothes for any children, period. Um, but then as people kind of saw that we were foster parents, I became the local Goodwill drop off. And I was like, stop with the clothes, please. <laughs> like, I do not need clothes. Thank you. Thank you for your heart and your compassion, but no more clothes. Now, on the other hand, I had this wonderful lady in our church. Um, she was an elder, elderly lady. And um, she came to me and she's like, how old are the girls and what size do they wear? And I was like, kind of in my mind, um, I'm thinking, oh, God, here we go. More clothes. And she called me and she's like, hey, I have something for you, but I don't want to give it to you at church. Can you meet me at the CVS down the street? And I was like, sure. And I pull up and she pops her trunk. And I kid you not, God is my witness. This lady pulls out bags of brand new with tags clothing for each girl she probably spent like $500 on new clothes Aww. and just gave it to me and said, I wanted to be a blessing. Number one, I was so moved that she would do that. I didn't know this lady. Like our, I come from a pretty large church. I didn't know her name at the time, you know, but she has been since then one of the most staunch supporters of us. Hey, I'm praying for you. Um, you know, Everybody needs more prayers. Yes, pray for us, but let's let's be more than just words. Let's be hands, okay? So yes. so meals, babysitters, um, get CPR certified and say, hey, I'm CPR certified. Here's my background check. Can I take the kids for an evening? But there's so many different ways that if if you are a parent, think of how or what you would love for someone to support you with and then turn around and do that. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, like if oh, you that's, would, that's great. You know, everybody sends um, used clothing and blankets. And let me tell you the two things that foster parents don't need used clothing and blankets. We've got plenty. I've got plenty. I don't need another blanket. I don't need another stuffed animal in my house. I don't need more used clothing. What I, I, I practically need is, um, is, you know, someone to, to take the kids for a couple hours. So my husband and I can have a date night. What I need is for someone to go get formula. They told me, um, when Trini came into care, they told me she was nine months old. Okay. So I pick her up and come to find out she's eight and a half months old, which you wouldn't think but that's a big difference. But what they didn't tell me is I had an eight and a half month old who weighed 14 pounds. She wore three months clothing and I had nothing. And so it would have been so great if somebody could have, if I could have called somebody and said, Hey, can I cash up you X amount of dollars? Can you go to Walmart for me? I need formula. I need three months clothing and I need diapers. Yeah. You know, so it's Amazing. less talking about, oh, I'm here to help you. And it's more hands-on practical. Hey, do you need diapers? Like, can I drop dinner off for you tonight? It's not glamorous, but foster care is not glamorous. 
Yes, exactly. Thank you, Kendra, so much. Um, we are at the top of the hour. Um, thank you for sharing your heart. Um, thank you for opening up our eyes. I had no idea. Some of your statistics are incredibly alarming. Um, and uh, thank you for telling us some practical things to do. One cool thing that our church does is um, anybody who works with children and youth is um, they all had their background checks. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we're, awesome. we're really, we're really value children. And so that, that's, that's cool that we're, we're ahead of the curve here. Um, uh, but before, um, before we send you off, uh, th there's one last question. They want to know how you prepare your coffee since you worked at Starbucks. Um, uh, which is a very important question. I feel that has to be how I prepare, here. how I drink my coffee right now. How do you, how do you drink your coffee? Now? I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> you have three under uh, three. So how do you drink your coffee now? Out of curiosity. I'm, I'm straight up. Give it to me black. <laughs> I drink black iced coffee. I'm not, the, I'm, I'm not that or espresso, you know, espresso. give me double espresso and I'm good to go. <laughs> That's the right answer I was looking for. <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Too funny. All right. Well, I, I drink mine with lots of creamer. So there you go. Yes, I do remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Well, thank you so much, Kendra, for joining us and um, sharing your heart with us. Uh, and thank you to everybody tonight for joining us tonight. Uh, please do like and share us uh, with your family and friends um, and also do partner with us in uh, giving. Uh, go to NewarkUPC.info if you want to get more information. Um, we are going to have service again. Uh, we do uh, these nightly at 7 p.m. So hope to see you folks online tomorrow. Um, and uh, you guys have a wonderful Friday night. Good night, guys. Bye. Thank you.